So a lot has been happening in the Indian startup ecosystem, and for that, we have the Startup Operators Weekly Roundup, where Roshan and I will be taking you through the biggest headlines from the week that was. So if you are new to the podcast, do consider subscribing to the channel so that you receive regular updates from the Indian startup ecosystem. And last week, Prime Minister Modi also announced a slew of new initiatives aimed towards building the whole digital Bharat. And of course, NPCI, after its blockbuster UPI success, which has been seen globally, it plans on building the next frontier to simplifying foreign remittance in the country. And despite the whole funding winter that has been going on, we have Axelor uh, Investments that raised its new fund, which Roshan and I will be talking about later in this roundup. We'll get started. Roshan, now this has been a really interesting week, but what are some of the things that stood out for you? Yeah, I mean, it's a week of massive, massive headlines, right? We had the unfortunate case of the former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe being shot dead at a political campaign rally. And, you know, Shinzo Abe was a great friend of India's, I would say, and a very good friend of uh, Prime Minister Modi also. Mr. Modi also, you know, penned a very heartfelt tribute uh, calling him his uh, dear friend. A lot of the geopolitical moves that are happening right now, including uh, the Quad, owes its conception to Mr. Abe, you know, who talked about all of this back in 2007. You know, before that, Japan was very passive about geopolitics specifically, I mean, because they're very strongly allied with the US. But I would say Mr. Abe was one of the first internationalist Japanese prime ministers in that sense. Of course, people remember Abenomics totally revived the Japanese economy, which was uh, seeing degrowth for a while by stimulating demand and so on, making the exports in the country a little more attractive. Yeah, fantastic uh, person. I was just looking at some of the photos of him meeting the prime minister and at the Ganga Arti and everything. Very, very tragic the way he passed away. Thoughts and prayers with the Japanese people and uh, also his family and friends. Well, further south of India, we're also seeing chaos and riots uh, in Colombo, Sri Lanka. The country has been undergoing a national economic crisis of sorts for a while. I mean, the inflation is up to, I think, 57%, soon to touch beyond 60, I think. Currency has been massively devalued. They have about $50 billion in debt. The president has declared bankruptcy. And then, you know, you had hordes and hordes of people storming the presidential palace and, you know, the president uh, apparently fleeing the country. While all of this is happening, Akasha Air, which is fronted by Rakesh Junjunwala, finally got their license from the DJCA and they're soon going to start operations. Interestingly, it's coming at a time when, you know, we saw some seven or eight incidents of spice jet flights, right? I mean, technical issues yeah. and wide variety of things happening over the last, you know, month and a half or so. Definitely interesting times, you know, very busy week, I would say. A lot it has happening been a on all really fronts. busy week. Like, we had a lot of... I mean, despite this whole funding winter which is going on, I just think there is so much more happening with the Indian startup ecosystem as a whole, yeah. with all the new policy initiatives that the government is announcing, pushing the chip manufacturing industry. Then we have the whole EV push which is going on. There's just so much more and I'm really excited to talk about it in this yeah. roundup. By the way, we spoke about the account aggregators framework on the last uh, roundup and interestingly, Setu has just got an account aggregator license yeah. as well. Uh, so, all the best to the Setu and Pine Labs team. Um, yeah. yeah, this this Very acquisition exciting. of uh, Setu by Pine Labs just plays in so well because I yeah. think Pine Labs is already, is already part of the open network ONDC platform and also the open credit enablement network or OCEN, right? And uh, the AA license was also one of Setu's primary offering during the sale to Pine Labs, right? So, it's right. very interesting now. They being at the core of the whole India tech stack, how they will be playing this out forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, their API first approach to, uh, you know, financial services is revolutionary, I would say, right? They have a great team as well. Nikhil and, and others are, you know, very deeply embedded with everything that's happened in India fintech over the last, you know, 5-10 years. So, yeah, just the kind of team that you would bet on to build some of these products and yeah. services. But talking about Digital India, Prime Minister Modi on Monday inaugurated the Digital India Week 2022 in Gandhinagar. 
and launched a couple of digital initiatives to boost the startups in the country. Some of the initiatives launched included the Digital India Bhashini, Digital India Genesis and India Stack Global, which are aimed at the enhancing and accessibility of technology and streamlining service delivery as a boost to startups. In addition to it, he also announced the first cohort of 30 institutions that would be supported under the Chips to Startup program or C2S program. What's interesting is Bhashini, right? This is a national public digital platform for languages created with the mission to develop services and products for citizens, right? And India being such a diverse country, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that 200 plus local languages spoken with the entire rural India tier 2, tier 3, India coming online. I just think the scale here is just so massive that yeah. it's actually great to see the government trying to set up the infrastructure for it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic initiative, I would say, right? See, India has the highest number of English language speakers in the world. I think it's close to about 400 million, if I'm not mistaken. And then if you look at, you know, number of people who speak Hindi and Tamil and so on, it would all be in the range of around 200 to 300 million, right? So that still leaves out so many others, considering that we're a nation of 1.4 billion people. And so something like this is just, is revolutionary in terms of improving access to, you know, the 900 million or so Indians who are going to be online by 2025. So Bhashini shall act as an orchestrator, unifying the large diverse network across the government, industry bodies, academia, research groups and startups to bring all of their contributions into one single repository. Now, I think this will have a lot of value for those companies coming from abroad but want to build for India. Yeah. And also Indian startups itself that want to take their products and services to Bharat, right? More than a few startups are working in this whole uh, regional languages and vernacular space, uh, making it easy to, you know, just add an SDK or use an API to sort of translate your offerings into wide variety of languages and so on. But this is again, you know, creating a public library like this, which was accessible by people uh, is, is going to make it, you know, a lot more interesting for you know, everyday startups to sort of add this layer onto their product and service and take it to the hinterlands, I would say. So, so excellent, excellent work. Also, we've seen the, the growth stories of companies like Cuckoo FM who are riding on this whole wave of, you know, regional content coming yeah. to the, the foray. Cuckoo, Pratilipi, Stage, yeah, plenty of people, uh, yeah. were, you know, striving to serve the needs of Bharat uh, per se from a content perspective. But even fundamental stuff, man, I mean, even on accessibility services and so on, right? I think language is, is so integral so yeah i mean i'm i'm really excited about this because see the max number of languages you will put in is probably seven eight right you'll have right, a tamil yeah. telugu and maybe hindi or whatever you have hundreds of dialects imagine being able to support all of those things you're just reducing the friction for people to adopt internet and then be more productive and then you know get educated and then start earning and then start delivering services and so on so yeah it's really interesting yeah so we have seen the success of upi in india Right. And now NPCA is, is working with foreign entities to connect all the UPI platforms to systems in other countries to replicate this success abroad. Indians overseas remitted $87 billion just last year, which is the biggest inflow for any country which is tracked by the World Bank. And the successful overseas forays by NPCI would give India a homegrown alternative to SWIFT. They are in the process of connecting the UPI platforms to systems in other countries and is negotiating collaborations with governments, fintech companies and service providers around the world. UPI's linkage with overseas nations will, you know, anchor trade, travel and remittance flows between the countries and also lower the costs of cross-border remittances. So, I mean, it's, it's great to see that India is coming up with its own safeguards of, you know, making sure that people are to move money around. 
Yeah. Right. Because what we have seen with the whole result of the Ukrainian-Russia conflict, Russia was literally cut off from international transactions. Yeah. Right. And of course, the government is thinking we are ahead of its time to safeguard its interests. But really interesting to see how the geopolitics will play out over here. Yeah. I think, you know, before that, I think NPCI, ounce for ounce, is perhaps the most valuable institution that the government has constituted in the recent past. Simply phenomenal stuff. Kudos to the team. We have one of the largest diaspora in the world, right? I mean, and our folks are everywhere from the West to the Middle East to wherever else, right? And uh, remittances are a very, very key use case. Sending money is not trivial. I mean, it's, it's very difficult to do that. And there are charges and costs and regulation and all of those things. You've seen earlier, you know, we had an agreement with the Singapore government, for example, to make LRS remittance schemes a little more simpler. And uh, NPCI had also set up an international entity to sort of internationalize the UPI and to start working with regulators in 40, 50 different countries to make this possible. With everything that's happened over the last five to six months, right, with the Russia-Ukraine war and with Russia being levied sanctions and being taken off the SWIFT network and everything, every country is sort of thinking about this, right? I mean, tomorrow what happens if something like this were to come upon them. And so I think India has taken a lead in establishing this and by no means is this uh, trivial, right? I mean, it's very difficult to do. But then, I mean, if you compare the fintech ecosystems anywhere in the world, I think India would easily rank as perhaps oh, the number yeah. one, right? I've often, you know, been on trips abroad and I've, I've wished that it was as easy to pay in all of these places as just scanning a QR code and just paying whatever it is to whichever merchant, right? Uh, but that's not the case. I mean, if you were to step into Starbucks in the US or whatever, you will be handed over like a handful of change which you have to lug around, right? I mean, it's it's very, very archaic. So yeah, long due, I think even Balaji Srinivasan has also spoken about internationalizing the India stack as such. He also talks about this India emerging as this non-aligned third power center in the world, right? Where others can congregate around. I, I think that's going to be economy-led, that's going to be policy and tech-led, I would say. And this is a very useful move in that regard. Right. And also you look at, I mean, NPCI was also part of setting up the whole rupee card network right yeah. and i think rupee has close to 64 percent market share in india yeah close to no, rupee is also another game changer right i mean we don't have to be at the mercy of you know visa and mastercard and the likes right and uh, see with india anything that requires population level innovation and services right has to be done by the government uh, no two ways about it at least it has to have the blessings of the government right i mean we're talking about you know, 1.4 billion people by the time you know visa and mastercard and whoever else services catch up. I mean, it's it's not going to happen, right? I mean, it's, and it's not going to happen in an equitable format either. Right. Uh, so, you know, when you talk about financial inclusion and so on, I think UPI, Rupee has played a very, very, very important role. Yeah. And this is all thought out from 2012, right? And it's yeah. just all uh, part yeah. one big plan. But talking about the various initiatives the government is taking, here we have Twitter that is suing the Indian government seeking to quash some of the content removal orders issued to the social media firm, alleging abuse of power by the government. They are attempting to get a judicial review of some of these takedown orders and a filing has been made in Karnataka's top court, arguing that some of the government orders fail to give notice to tweet authors. There are a lot of blogs which actually talk about how the Indian government is just you know trying to push its will on social media platforms where people are not able to you know share their views uh, freely. And here we have Elon Musk trying to fight exactly that. So now really are curious to understand where do you think this will head to it? See, freedom of speech is not absolute, right? I mean, obviously there are certain fundamental duties and responsibilities that every citizen has. And, uh, you know, I mean, this is uh, du jour. I mean, literally every 
a multinational entity abides by the policy and regulations of the land wherever they operate and twitter has this tendency of trying to act like a supranational entity right and they have multiple standards for multiple countries right i mean uh, you've seen the way they acted in the west for example right where they've taken a policy position on certain things and uh, they've been more of an activist type right adjudicating on the kind of content that is kosher and some stuff which is not and uh, so i think this is the case of you know a few folks uh, whose uh, accounts have been banned for whatever they've said well i mean t- twitter itself has banned many different accounts most notably the us president former us president donald trump's account right so i don't know i mean i think it's a, it's a lot of baloney in my perspective and it's not just limited to india right they've done this elsewhere i mean nigeria for example they've done similar things there as well by the way there were a lot of elon pulls out uh, jokes on twitter right because he is apparently pulling out of that 44 billion dollar twitter deal i can't say i'm surprised i think it was expected and especially after the stock market tanked but i think his point of contention is valid right which is that hey what percentage of twitter is bought right is it 5% or 50% he himself says that it's anywhere in the order of around 30% which is really really significant yeah. right i mean imagine i sold you like 100 oranges and no, figured no, no, no. that 30 of those were rotten obviously the at the very minimum the price should vary right which is what his uh, contention is but i think at this point of time i mean he has no intention to buy twitter at all so he has effectively pulled out but it's interesting i mean th- there were a few legal arguments on either sides on who stands to win in a potential lawsuit and so on we had uh, brett taylor who's the chairman of the board at twitter talk about the fact that hey i mean this deal is going to happen one way or the other and a few folks think that it's a little late for uh, elon to pull out after doing what he did or saying what he did so we'll see what happens yeah i mean for sure it keeps the entire week entertaining but having said that I folks mean, if you're nine children <laughs> i don't know how we man is the, the man is solving the underpopulation <laughs> crisis all by himself well folks if you're enjoying this uh, conversation don't forget to hit the subscribe button as well as like the video that really helps us for, with content discovery okay so moving on to the next part of this roundup we have axlor ventures who has recently announced the launch of its second fund axlor technology fund 2 with a total corpus of 770 crore or 100 million dollars they will continue to focus on enterprise saas b2b commerce agritech consumer tech and health tech with a renewed focus on the fintech sector they will be writing a median check of 750k for companies with another option of 250k in bridge rounds so roshan you had earlier pointed out that we won't see that much of a slowdown in early stage funding rounds right and here we have an early stage vc raising a, a new fund yeah no axelor is uh, fantastic right i mean they've uh, been around for about 7 years i think right and their fund one has done extremely well so only about 18% of uh, c stage companies uh, go on to raise fall on funding of series a but axelor claims that its portfolio nearly 50% of them go on to raise uh, series a right which is a fantastic validation for the kind of uh, startups that they have in their portfolio as well yeah they're very very selective and also really help the entrepreneurs and like i mentioned earlier right early early stage funding early stage startup action is not going to slow down right whether irrespective of what the financial cycles are and 100 million dollars is uh, significant right i mean we'll probably see axelor starting to invest in you know series a's and uh, and so on i mean they already do a bunch of follow ons mm-hmm. anyway but i think they will start perhaps writing series a check sizes as well and gives a lot more confidence to entrepreneurs as well at the seed because they kind of know that hey i mean axelor can write that series a check as well who knows i mean maybe sometime in the future they might even like 
you know raise an even larger fund to do you know series a series b and beyond as well yeah fantastic team a great set of uh, startups that they have in their portfolio and fairly secular as well in terms of the kind of startups that they invest in if you look at resha mandi for example right i mean loosely you can call it agri tech but it's also b2b commerce mm-hmm. it's also financing okay. it's also platform and so on right i mean very very interesting i would say yeah great team and all the best for fund 2 so uh, i have one question here do you think there's an increased focus on profitability yeah Yeah, for sure i mean that seems to be the buzzword right now and for good reason as well i mean all investors are asking their startups to look very closely at the finances look at the early stage i mean they're going to look at uh, what the business model is like whether it is fundamentally sound the unit economics uh, kind of work out and it's always good to have that focus on profitability right from the beginning you always have to figure a plan to make sure that you turn over a dollar for you know whatever it is that you spend so yeah So uh let's talk about cryptocurrencies a bit. Vault became the latest player in the cryptocurrency market to suspend all withdrawals, trading and deposits. The announcement came on July 4th, 2 weeks after they pruned its headcount by around 30%. Now the present market conditions led to a substantial amount of customer withdrawals which are in excess of 197.7 million dollars since just June 12th, which saw the crypto prices nose diving. Following the withdrawals, Vault has frozen its operations, and the slump of the cryptocurrency market was sparked by the crash of Terraform Labs' uh, USD stablecoin, Three Arrows Capital, defaulting on loans, and Celsius Network halting withdrawals. So, all crypto players who suspended withdrawals by users stated that they faced liquidity pressures. Now, this is a point of concern for the entire crypto community. Yeah, it is, and it just does a great disservice to crypto and Bitcoin and and that entire movement itself, right? I mean, and it's also a high time, high time for regulation. I would say, right? I mean, some of these startups are based in Dubai or Singapore, but I think Indian retail investors need the government's help to sort of stay safe from this kind of schemes, right? I mean. Vault, for example, was promising a twelve percent interest in something they called a fixed deposits, right? And the scheme was that if you had about I don't know ten thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, you could uh, sort of invest it in Vault, and Vault will use that money to lend to others, and then use their crypto as some collateral or whatever, right? I mean, you can imagine what happens when. you know that crypto asset falls by 40 or 50% yeah. as really what happened right and crypto assets are volatile right i mean this is not like you know your land or you know even cash for example right i mean it's it, it is new like that it's a very new class of asset it's a very think. new asset and you know using that as collateral and then guaranteeing a 12% return that's just absurd that's really really absurd right and it was doomed to fail from the beginning i would say right and you know this excess financialization of crypto right i mean is something that i feel very un- uneasy about at the one end i mean you have the mutual fund guys who can barely say mutual fund sahi hai and then you have at the other end you know folks who say beg borrow and steal and invest in crypto and bitcoin and or you get 12% returns and the blame also lies with some of these finfluencers as they call them right i follow a few of these folks and some of the content is good but i think calls for these folks to be really responsible also because a lot of them just were shilling vault and its fixed deposits and so on including some of the better known people right and i i think you're going to see regulation for sure right i mean you're definitely going to see regulation and you know with the crypto tax and everything government has already made it sort of unviable to invest in crypto right yeah i think crypto since first of april when the law was passed i think crypto prices in india has dropped by over 70% yeah and and they probably i mean given the crash that happened afterwards i mean probably saved a bunch of people from losing their money as well you can call it a coincidence but it is what it is i really feel that you know the sooner we tune out of this price action 
and start to think of Bitcoin or crypto as a fundamental technology revolution, the better for us. Like if you're long crypto, if you're long Bitcoin, then be really, really, really long Bitcoin or crypto, right? See, we often compare it to gold as well. People don't buy and sell gold like how they mm. buy and sell cryptocurrencies, right? I mean, and, and gold doesn't jump like, you know, 30% in a day or fall by 50% in a day and so Imagine on. Imagine right? that happened. Oh, good God. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it calls for a little more character on all fronts. And I'm not absolving the kind of suckers who fall for this get rich schemes also, right? I mean, you just have to be a little more prudent and with all of these platforms pushing such scandalous stuff, right? I mean, you can look at the thumbnails on YouTube. I mean, every thumbnail is bloody provocative, right? I mean, one after another. I mean, we've tried making some <laughs> and, and failed miserably, <laughs> right? But it's just excesses on all sides. It just calls for greater moral character to keep an even keel about things and to stay grounded, I think. But overall, I think it's really, really time the government clamps down on some of this stuff, right? Whether it's the new crypto companies or the Finfluencers and so on, right? I mean, I, I think it's, it's necessary for the betterment of crypto, I feel. Because again, crypto is an invention of the wheel, magnitude, innovation. It's a fundamental innovation and it's amazing. But let the use cases develop and don't stifle all of that with this nonsense of like trading and whatever else is happening, really. I think the foundation needs to be way more stronger before we... It's going to take time. See, gold has been in existence for thousands of years, right? And here is... Bitcoin and crypto, which is basically about 10 plus years old, trying to compete with that and making those tall claims. I mean, some of those tall claims are necessary, right? How else will you get people's attention? But you also have to be tempered about your expectations for something like this. It's going to take time. Even as much as you say that innovation cycles are a lot smaller these days and things happen a lot more rapidly, I think you just have to give it time. And the greatest, greatest disservice is stuff like this, stuff that happens with Vault, right? So it's really unfortunate and I really hope that, you know, better sense prevails. Also in other news, Rajiv Mishra, who is the CEO of SB Investment Advisors that manages SoftBank Vision Fund, will step back from his executive role at the Technology Fund. He played a prominent role in raising the $100 billion Vision Fund, the largest pool of private capital which disrupted technology investing globally. And now he is likely to launch a new asset management platform as well. So stay tuned for updates on that. And also TCS achieves a new milestone of its workforce uh, strength crossing the 6 lakhs mark. Now, uh, Roshan, I'm sure you have TCS on your portfolio. No, man. I mean, it's one of those uh, stocks. I mean, I've been meaning to invest for a long, long time, but I just don't know when to enter, right? It has corrected and everything, but uh, see, that aside, you know, TCS, I think, you know, India owes a debt of gratitude to TCS, Infi, Wipro and the likes, right? I mean, they've really created this uh, nouveau middle class with uh, all the aspirations and, and so on that we see. I mean, 6 lakh people directly employed and, you know, that again, if you look at the second order, third order effects of that, it's huge. So again, FC Kohli, Narayan Murthy, Azim Premji, all of those stalwarts. India owes them a great deal of gratitude. Also, and from the startup community itself, I mean, I, I really did not know this, but Zerodha, which is the largest stock broker in India, also called the Robinhood of India, has only 33 people on their tech team. Crazy. Right? And the company is bootstrapped and did a $140 million in profit last year and bought back stock at a $2 billion value. $140 million in profit, man. That From is being a bootstrap company. Bootstrap to that, right? I mean, the numbers just boggle me, actually, you know. At 33, 
oh my god it's just insane i mean this is just a model for every series a or series b startup that goes out and hires hundreds of engineers right to build their you know whatever saas product or something phenomenal i mean the the cto is somewhat of a legend uh, right and uh, i've been meaning to check out a couple of uh, podcasts where he has spoken about but hey i mean we had sidhu ponapa of uh, gojek on the podcast way back when i mean a couple of years back and he spoke about how to structure engineers in a way that all of them are adequately productive and uh, you know how it doesn't mean that you know more people equal to uh, more output right and in fact i mean in tech uh, it can have the opposite effect a lot of times because people run into each other and so on so if you're really interested to understand that click on one of these links here definitely check it out you will love it but yeah kudos on uh, zero that i think they're an ideal to emulate on so many different fronts also when someone talks about you know with the most future ready startup in india one of the names that comes to mind is ultra human right we have had the founder on the podcast as well and recently they announced what's called the ultra human ring have yeah. you checked it out yet yeah i mean the lot of buzz on twitter for sure i mean ultra human does an amazing job at branding for sure right and they have a fanatical community as well so i've been meaning to get an aura ring for a while and i thought you know, next time i travel to the us i will but now i mean this ultra human ring seems a little more lucrative right i'm i'm going to check it out for sure measure my sleep and heart and what not <laughs> right i mean uh, quantify itself here i come <laughs> no but it it really gives me a lot of pride to see that kind of product being produced in india right it's just something to behold i mean it's it's fantastic fantastic achievement and uh, kudos to mohit and the team and all the best for everything that you have coming up so roshan before we wrap up any conversations lined up for this week so i had a fantastic chat with anupreet singh who is the uh, head of gtm at uh, six sense india so he was part of slintel earlier slintel got acquired by six sense and they've built a fantastic uh, gtm team right comprising sdrs aes uh, growth and customer success and so on and they've really perfected this you know sell from india to the world motion built a heck of a revenue engine so we spoke about various aspects you know how do you hire these folks how do you enable them and you know how do you basically scale this further so it's kind of a masterclass on go to market i would say definitely do check it out uh, in fact i mean there were so many things that i want to talk to him about i'll probably do a follow up as well so yeah awesome so this will be an episode to keep an eye out for so that's all for this week folks do check us out on our social media platforms it's at operator startup on twitter and the startup operator on linkedin and along with that if you'd like to have regular startup related content delivered straight into your whatsapp inbox do subscribe to the whatsapp link in the description below before we sign off don't forget to like this video subscribe and share this with your operator friends who you think might enjoy and we'll be back with more action from the in startup ecosystem next week see you guys take care and have a great week